You're listening to another hope-filled podcast from Life. For more information about our church, visit lifenz.org. My name is Nick and I'm part of the team here at Life. And it's an absolute privilege today to be able to share about communion. Um, I love the fact that we have a church that creates space at the start of every month uh, where we can stop, uh, reflect, remember how good God is in our lives. And today, over the next little while, I'm just going to share some thoughts with you personally on my on how I like to approach communion. You know, things that I think are important for us in the busyness of life. You know, like life gets super hectic, gets really chaotic. And it is great that we do have an opportunity to take some time, take heed of what's going on in our world and say, okay, God, what do you want to speak to me about? And hopefully today over this next few minutes and the team are going to come and bring an incredible uh, item song for us in a little bit. And I tell you what, as we reflect and take communion together, can we just stop and listen to what God is saying? It's not just about doing, but it's about allowing space for God to do what he does best. But the best way I think we can start looking at communion and talking about it today is to actually look at who Christ is. You know, I want to go big picture. Let's kind of like go up to a bird's eye view for a moment and say, okay, if we're going to take communion and we're going to reflect on who Jesus is in our life, isn't it good to know and understand who exactly he is? And in Colossians, we read this incredible passage where it says, starts by this, it says, Christ is supreme. That's the title in my Bible, and I love that. And let's begin to read this together this morning. It said, Christ is the visible image of an invisible God. He existed before God made anything at all and is supreme over all creation. Christ is the one through whom God created everything in heaven and earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't, kings, kingdoms, rulers and authorities. Everything has been created through him and for him. He existed before everything else began and he holds all creation together. Can you just picture just now, I mean, let's just stop for a second, the vastness, the bigness, the majesty of who our God is, of who Jesus is. And yet, what I love is that he's interested in you as we're about to discover. Christ is the head of the church, which is his body. He is the first of all who will rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And by him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of his blood on the cross. This includes you who were once so far away from God. I love the fact that we have a God who reconciles himself with us. It doesn't matter what we've done. It doesn't matter where we've gone. We have a God who says, no, no, I'm not accepting that. I want to reconcile myself. I want relationship with you. I want relationship not just in a, in a story, but in reality, in your everyday here and now. You were his enemy, separated from him by your evil thoughts, yet now he has brought you back as his friends. You're a friend of Jesus today. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter why you find yourself in church. Can I remind you at the very outset of an incredible service that we're going to discover communion that Jesus is your friend. He has done this through his death on the cross in his own human body. As a result, he brought you into the very presence of God and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. 
But you must continue to believe this truth and stand in it firmly. Don't drift away from the assurance you have received when you heard the good news. Are you glad this morning that there is good news? Are you glad this morning that we are able to remember a God that brings good news, not just in his text, but in a way that he wants to engage with you and I? He's actually interested in who you are. He's interested in the destiny that you have. He's interested in the plan and the purpose that he's put on your life. Our God is a God who didn't just die on the cross and through his blood, but he rose again so that we may have life and live it in all its fullness. And through his death that you and I can be reconciled, despite the fact we have evil thoughts, despite the fact that we have sinned, despite the fact that we fall short of everything that God has for us, he still wants to be your friend. Man, I'm encouraged by that. Today, this God, we just pray. We thank you for who you are. We thank you that you want to reconcile yourself with us. We thank you, God, that you have made us holy and blameless before you. We thank you that you came all the way to earth to sacrifice your son, to give us an opportunity to stand in relationship with you. And this morning, as we reflect over communion, as we take the emblems, as we begin to share together in a moment of reflection, Father, I pray that you would speak to us. You would remind us the fact that you are our Lord that you are our saviour and that you are our friend. So this morning, we open ourselves up to you. We thank you for who you are and what you've done in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. When I was younger, I used to fancy myself as a sprinter. I know you may look at me and think front row forward. I know, you know, like definitely. I was watching the rugby last night and I was looking at the props and I was like, What was I thinking when I was young playing football? I actually looked at the wingers and I thought, what was I doing even playing anywhere on the field? These days, rugby players, it doesn't matter. It's like you look at them run through the tunnel and you think, I don't even know if you're going to play center, second row. I I don't even know what's going on. But as you can tell, I was obviously not born for the front row. I was definitely born either for the wing or just to run very fast. And when I was young, I used to fancy myself as really quick. When I was in primary school, I mean, I got slower as I got older, but there was a couple of years in primary school where, man, I was on fire as a speedster. I used to have a little arch nemesis, you know, when you're eight and nine, you're like eyeing each other off at the start line, you know, and every year we used to race and he would win and I would come second and then one year, out of nowhere, I won. Man, I couldn't even believe it. I was in so much shock as to what happened. But we were racing and I won. And as a result, I got to go to the regional finals. And, you know, it was a cold winter's August night. I'll never forget it. I grew up in Ipswich, which is just west of Brisbane. Despite being in the sunshine state, let me tell you, inland is still cold, right? You know, and I remember being there and I'm lined up and I'd gone through the heats and the semis and I don't know why they make you run so many times. Like, like just like, give me one crack at this thing, right? You know, it's all I've got. But I remember lining up on this night and we took off down, down the stretch and I'm running 100 meters and I remember coming across the line in third place and my teacher was there, smile on her face. I actually think it could be the very first time I ever told a girl that I love them. A little bit awkward that it was my teacher, but, you know, like, you know, I was thinking about that just yesterday. I was like, man, that's embarrassing. But, oh, well, you know, we can, we can keep secrets together. It's good. But I fancied myself as a sprinter. And when I was younger, my parents introduced me to a movie called Chariots of Fire. 
And I remember when I was younger watching this particular movie, Chariots of Fire, and thinking, man, these guys can actually run. Maybe one day I can be like them. And there's a particular line in this movie where Eric Liddell, who's the runner from Scotland, and he talks about what he's doing, and he talks about how he feels, and he says, when I run, I feel God's pleasure. When I run, I can feel him with me. When I run, I know that I am doing what I'm called to do. And you see, when we understand the power of the cross, when we understand the power of what Jesus did for us, when we understand the power of the resurrection and the sacrifice that Jesus had, we actually understand that what he did for us was to free us. We understand that when Jesus went to the cross, he did it so that we would feel just as Eric Liddell felt when he was running, that we would feel God's pleasure. Why? Because we were in relationship with him. We were connected to him. We were living out the plans and the purposes that God had for our life. And as we aligned ourselves with who he is, as we reconciled as, as we reconcile ourselves, isn't it amazing how free we can find ourselves? We feel his pleasure and we understand that we are living the life that he called us to. In just a few moments we're going to share communion together, but before we do, I'd love to share with you just four quick thoughts about what communion means to me. And as I began to think about it over the last couple of days and began to reflect on it, I began to think and unpack how I looked at communion. You see, I grew up in church and I understood a lot about what it was and I understand what each of the emblems mean. And maybe today you've never experienced communion. Well, my prayer is that over this next few minutes, you can unpack and discover just how meaningful a moment with God can actually be for you. But the first thought I had was this, the communion is not a ritual, but it's a reflection. You know, so for many people, they look at communion as a bit of a ritual. There's some emblems, there's a, there's a piece of bread, and there's some wine or some juice, and, and it's a ritualistic thing that they do. But the reality is that communion was never about the ritual, it was about the reflection. It was about creating intentional space where you and God could once again connect. It's where you and God could once again be reconciled through the act of remembering what he did all of those years ago and saying, God, I'm coming back in alignment with you. I want to come back and be reconciled with you. I want to be able to stand before you upright knowing that you are with me and that you are for me. I love what it says in verse 23, as we just read. It says, don't drift away. You see, for me, communion is about not drifting away. It's a monthly time, or it's any time for that matter, where I feel like I've drifted, where I feel like life's got in the way, where I feel like I've been hit from left field. It's where I've come across some illness. It's where I'm facing a relationship challenge. Maybe I'm facing something at work that's so big, so great, an obstacle I feel like I can't go over, and it gives me a moment of reflection. It's not just a ritual, but it's a moment, an intentional time creation where we come back. We stop drifting. We place an anchor point in the ground and say, no, God, I'm coming back to who you are. I want to align myself again with what your word says over my life. Communion, it's not a ritual, but rather it's a reflection. The second thought I had was it's not an observation, but it's a declaration. 
You see, it's a moment where we get to celebrate what Jesus did. And do you know what he did? He overcame death. He didn't just go to the cross and face death. He didn't just go to the cross and be beaten. He didn't just go to the cross and was whipped. He went and did all those things, and then he overcame death. I don't know about you, but that gets me a little bit excited. That gets me into a place where, man, I want to be able to celebrate and declare all of the good things over my life. It gives us an opportunity to declare the goodness of God. It gives us an opportunity to declare the faithfulness of who He is. It gives us an opportunity to declare the power that comes from the cross. If Jesus can overcome death, then what is it that He can overcome in your life? What are the things that you're struggling with? What is it that you find yourself facing and it becomes a declaration, not an observation? It's quite easy to sit back sometimes and relax in our chair and observe things that are going on. But if you're anything like me, it's like going to a sporting game. I'm a terrible spectator. I want to be able to get on the field. I want to be able to get in the game. I want to be able to be part of what's going on. And when I'm declaring, it's not just something that's passive and observing, but rather there is a partaking in communion. I'm not just observing as things, emblems go past. I'm not just observing what someone is doing on my left or my right. But no, no, I have an opportunity to partake and declare of who God is and what he's done. You know, verse 22, I love what it says. It says, as a result, he has brought you into his own presence and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him. You see, you stand before him. When you stand, there's a declaration. I don't know about you, but when you stand, it comes with a confidence, right? If I'm sitting down, it's easy to feel relaxed. But when I stand, all of a sudden, I feel proud. All of a sudden, I feel like I'm standing and I'm able to do something. That's what I want to encourage you today. When we stand and we declare over who God is, let it not be a passive observation moment, but let it be a declaration of the goodness, of the greatness, of the power of the living God who lives in us. You see, there's an action, a declaration over our life that when we stop and observe communion, when we take communion, we're not just sitting back, but man, let's declare who he is in our life. It's not an obligation, but a promise. You know, I was thinking about this. I thought, you know, God wasn't obligated to send his son to earth to die on a cross. He wasn't obligated, but he sent his son as a promise of what he was going to do. He sent his son as a promise of who he is. It's a promise that by his stripes, we are healed. It's a promise that we are made whole in his image. It's a promise that God is who he says he is in your life. What are the promises you need to speak over your life this morning? What are the promises that you need to declare in your life? What is it in this moment of reflection that you need to begin to speak into your situation, into that relationship, into anything that you're struggling with? Why? Because it's not an obligation that he must, but a promise that he will. It's a promise that he will overcome death. It's a promise that he will make you whole again. It's a promise that he will bring healing into a situation. That is the God who we are remembering through communion today. I love that he didn't send his son out of obligation. He didn't owe us anything. I, I, get, I get caught up in this thought so often. 
when I think about Jesus and I think about what he's done for me. He didn't just do it because he felt obliged. He did it because he loves you. He did it because he cares about you. He did it because he wants a deep relationship with us. And he proved it so that it became a promise that he will overcome death to see life and life in its fullness. And my final thought on the communion is this, is it's not just bread and wine, but it's his body and his blood. You know, it's not just a small breakfast that we get to have this morning, but it's a reflection of Jesus' body and it's a reflection of his blood. When we partake in communion, it is a reminder that his body was broken so that we could be whole and that his blood was shed for our forgiveness. In verse 20, it says, He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. When his blood was shed, it brought freedom for you and I. When his blood was shed this morning, it brought freedom and healing into the situation that you're facing. As the emblems come around this morning and we hold them in our hand, I don't want you to take them just yet. I want to talk to them. I want to share a moment that you and I can have together. And in Corinthians 1, in 11 and chapter 11, 23 to 25, we talk and we hear about this. We talk about the body in verse 23 and the bread. It says, For I pass on to you what I have received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And this morning, as you hold on to this piece of bread, can I encourage you that what you're doing with it is un you are rediscovering what Jesus' body being broken means to you. You see, it's declaring Jesus' health and divine life flows through our mortal bodies. You see, his body provides nourishment. It's not just a piece of bread that we eat, but it is a part of his body who nourishes our very souls. And maybe today as you take this bread, you might want to pray a simple prayer. I've got one that I just want to share with you as maybe an example of something that you could pray for. It says this, Thank you, Father, for the gift of your Son. By the stripes that fell on his back, my body is healed. From the crown of my head to the soles of my feet, every cell, every organ, every function of my body is healed, restored, and renewed. In Jesus' name, I believe that your body was sacrificed. Your body was beaten. Your body was broken so I may find healing and wholeness this morning. And as you hold this cup of juice in your hand, it reflects the blood that was shed for us. In verse 25, it says, In the same way he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. You see, in the Old Testament, the shedding of blood was a way through sacrifice of how people were made right with God. It was Jesus' blood that was shed on that cross that actually closed the gap. He made a way and He reconciled us to Him. You see, as we drink this juice today, as we drink this cup of juice, can we declare once again that we are forgiven, that we have been made righteous? What does righteous mean? It just means that we were made right. 
We're not actually sin free, but we are made right and able to stand before God as we drink this and remember his blood was shed. You see, Jesus' blood gives us the right to stand before him. But one of my favorites, to go boldly into his presence and declare his promises over our lives. Can we declare promises as we take communion together? Can we declare promises over our lives as the team is going to minister in just a moment? And I give you a point of reflection. Let it not be a ritual, but let it be a moment where you connect with God again. And maybe you say a prayer, something like this, Lord Jesus, thank you for your precious blood. And your blood that was shed has removed every sin from my life. Through your blood, I am forgiven of all my sins, past, present, and into the future. And I have been made completely righteous. Today, I celebrate. Today, I declare and partake of the inheritance of righteousness, which is preservation, healing, wholeness, and provision that you have for my life. I just want to make it practical this morning. I just want to give you something to hold on to and understand that as we begin to share, it's not a ritual, but it's a reflection. Take a moment today as the team come. Take a moment and reflect on how good God is in your life. Take a moment to declare the goodness and the faithfulness of God. Take a moment to declare the promises over your life. The promises that by your stripes you are healed. That by your stripes you've been made whole. That by His stripes that we have been forgiven. And remember, it's not just about the bread and not just about the juice, but it's actually about reflecting on His body. Broken. Tortured. Beaten. The blood that was shed. Why? So that we can stand before Him upright. Stand before Him with confidence. Stand before Him with an assurance that His promises are true. His promises are yes and amen. Father, this morning, as we stand in Your presence, Father, we thank You for what You've done. We reflect on who You are in our lives. God, we declare Your faithfulness. We celebrate that You overcame death. God, we thank you that it was your promises of he will. Yes, you will, God. You will help us in every situation. You will guide us. You will lead us. And Father, today we thank you that all those years ago, God, that your blood was shed, that we might find forgiveness. That, Father, your body was sacrificed, that we may discover wholeness. So today we worship. Today we thank you. Today we honor you, Father, for what you've done. We don't, res- we don't forget, but we stand and declare that you are good and you are faithful in every situation. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. As you grab your seats this morning, the one thing I love about the cross is that it, the story doesn't end there. The story doesn't just end at the cross and it doesn't end with Jesus just rising from the dead. It actually gives us an opportunity and it's a precursor to one of the greatest gifts that God has ever given us, the gift of the Holy Spirit. And I don't know about you, but right throughout my life, I've always struggled with the concept of what the Holy Spirit is and who it is. 
How does it look? How does it feel? How does it outwork its way in my life? But I want to know today that in my here now, 2,000 years on from a moment where Jesus overcomes death, that the Holy Spirit is relevant today. It's the link that brings us back and helps us remember. It's the link to our here now. In a year where we are discovering what this here now theme is, it's the spirit which links us to who Jesus was. You see, the Bible says that we accept Jesus into our life. He sends his Holy Spirit to be with us. And it's this spirit that leads us. It's this spirit that guides us. It's this spirit that helps us actually navigate our day-to-day lives if we're prepared to listen. You see, in John 14, 16 to 20, it says this, And I will ask the Father, and He will give you another helper to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive and take to its heart because it does not see Him or know Him. But you know Him because He, the Holy Spirit, remains with you continually and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, comfortless, bereaved, and helpless, but I will come back to you. After a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Is that not encouraging? Because I live, you will live also. On that day when the time comes, you will know for yourself that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. You see, the Spirit is a picture of what God wants for our lives. The Spirit is a picture. He's part of the Trinity. It's the third person in the Trinity, the Bible says, God the Spirit. We have God the Father, we have God the Son, and we have God the Spirit. And this particular picture of who the Spirit is, is one that's engaging. It's one that's active. It's one that wants to lead you and guide you as you navigate your life. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm not particularly mechanically minded by any stretch of the imagination. Can change a tire, learnt that the hard way a few times, but now I've got it down pat. But I married someone, my wife, who is incredibly gifted in this area. She grew up in a mechanic's family. Her father was a mechanic. But I don't pretend or I don't even um, pretend to be anything mechanically minded. But I do know this, that driving a car is way better than pushing a car. Allowing the engine to do what the engine's designed for makes my job when I hop in the driver's seat a whole lot easier. You see, I could push the car and I could probably get to where I wanted to go. I don't know about getting over the bridge this morning, but most of the time, maybe downhill. But you see, this the engine, when it does what it's supposed to do, makes the journey so much easier. When we bring the Holy Spirit into our life, He helps us. He guides us to where God has already destined us to go. You see, the Bible says that you had a plan and you had a purpose before you were born. And it's the Holy Spirit that leads us and guides us into the future that we have. You see, when we accept um, Jesus into our lives and we in turn gain the Holy Spirit, He buddies up alongside us and He says, let me guide you. Let me help you. Let me navigate what your life looks like. And in John verse 26 in chapter 14, it says, But the helper, comforter, advocate, intercessor, counselor, strengthener, and stand by the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name to represent me and act on my behalf. 
He will teach you all things and He will help you to remember everything that I have told you. You see, the Holy Spirit isn't just some weird force field that goes around our life. The Holy Spirit is designed to help us live with God's pleasure in mind. The Holy Spirit is designed, just like Eric Liddell put it, to run with the pleasure of God, to run with God smiling upon us. Why? Because we're listening to Him. We're attuned to Him. We're helping Him to outwork our daily lives. The Spirit is what guides us and allows us to walk the path that God had for us. But as I thought about it, I thought, well, what does that look like for me? What does it look like for you? How do we know that the Spirit is with us every single day? Do we look around? There it is. Nope, there it's not. But here's some thoughts that I had. The Holy Spirit for me is the heart tug in our decisions. He's the pressing thought compelling us to action. It's the unmerited courage overcoming our fears. And for me, sometimes it's the gut check when I've got an attitude. You see, it says that He helps us to remember everything that He's told us. And it's funny, isn't it? We go through life and we may not understand what the Spirit is, but every day we have a heart tuck. Every day we experience maybe a pressing thought that compels us to action, or maybe it's a gut check that says, maybe I should not have an attitude that I thought I do have. And sometimes it's that courage that wells up within us when fear is trying to grip us, that says, no, no, I got you. You will not fear, but you will overcome. You see, for me, the Holy Spirit is very real and it's very present and it's the same for you. Our job is really simple when it comes to the Holy Spirit. Are we listening and are we responding? Are we allowing ourselves to respond to that, to that um, gut feeling? Are we allowing ourselves to respond to the heart tug or the prompting that says, hey, should you give that person a call? Are you allowing yourself in a decision to be prompted by what the Holy Spirit is doing? Because if you are, who is leading who? Because if we're not, are we being led by our emotions? Are we being led by our feelings? No, no, no. God wants you to be led by His Spirit, which He says He places within you. The Holy Spirit gives us power. It gives us courage. It gives us strength. It allows the Holy Spirit to come upon us and allows us to rise up and live the life that God has for us. The Holy Spirit reminds us of what Jesus says. It reminds us about the things and the teachings that Jesus has. It reminds us that we do not have to fear. It reminds us that we can take courage. It reminds us that He is the Prince of Peace. It reminds us that when we're facing a challenge, that He is a healer. It reminds us that when we're broken and we're despair, that He is the God that lifts us up on eagle's wings. That is the Holy Spirit in your life if you'll listen and if you'll act. And the fruits of the Spirit outworked in our life are, in Galatians it says, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. As we outwork the fruits of the Spirit, as we allow the Spirit to guide us, as we allow the Spirit to take hold of our hand and walk us through day and day, as we begin to walk in the pleasure of what God has for us, as we begin to walk in the privilege of serving after Him, as we begin to walk in the plan and the purpose and the destiny that it has for you, God's saying, let me lead you through my Spirit. 
You see, I know in my life I need this. I need someone to keep me from drifting. I need someone to bring me back. Why? Because I'm human. Why? Because I've fallen short. But I love that today, in a moment of communion, in a Sunday where we are dedicated to remembering what Jesus did, that we can come back to the cross. That we can remember that it's not just bread and it's not just juice, but it is body and it is blood. It is wholeness. It is forgiveness. It is for you and I to accept today if we choose to. And with that, we find freedom. We find fulfillment. We find a pleasure that comes from serving a God who wants to reach out and reconcile you with where you're at this morning. We hope you enjoyed this podcast from Life. If you have questions or want to contact someone about this message, visit lifenz.org.